The following Dharma talk was given at Common Ground Meditation Center in Minneapolis, Minnesota. How's everybody doing? Okay. Everybody still awake? So I'll introduce myself just for uh, a very brief second for those who don't know me. So again, my name is Jean Haley, and um, I have the opportunity to teach here when I'm invited. And uh, Jane, who's sitting right here, Jane and I are co-conspirators. We uh, teach the Mindful Self-Compassion class. Uh, I think we both could recommend the practice. And so I'm sorry? And so, so will you. Haya will too. And yeah, and you will too. <laughs> if, you, if you haven't explored self-compassion, it's a great thing. So, um, so we do that. I also teach at the Center for Spirituality and Healing at the University of Minnesota. And I am a retired clinical social worker for what that's worth. And uh, so my roles are um, partner, friend, mother, daughter, sister, teacher, student. I have all of those hats. And uh, I guess the most important one is I'm a human being, like all of you. So I'm going to speak from that perspective today. And I don't uh, claim any particular wisdom. I'm speaking from my own experience. So as you know, the Buddha taught that you know, not to take anybody's word for anything, that it's based on what, what it is that you can discern. So I will share some of what I've learned, and I'll be looking forward to hearing from you if we have time for questions at the end. So for whatever reason, I've, I've had the opportunity to teach here on Mother's Day for the past, maybe, I don't know, I, I volunteer, I guess, on Mother's Day. Um, and I, I love that. Um, so today I'm going to talk about loving courageously. So if you know, uh, courage comes from the French cur, meaning heart. So how else could one love with, but with one's heart? But um, that's the title. So I love Mother's Day because it celebrates love. And even if we had mothers maybe who weren't quite up to the mark, we can still celebrate the qualities of a mother. And those are the qualities that we all have. It doesn't matter what gender we are, what role we play. We all have the qualities of a mother. So we all have hope and perseverance and we have generosity, a quality associated with mothers. And more than anything, we have the courage to face, to love in the face of vulnerability. Because loving is a scary thing sometimes. And it hurts to love and to be loved. You can't love without breaking your heart. to be vulnerable, vulnerable to the inevitable loss of the beloved, and also to our own feelings of inadequacy as the lover. Does anybody have those feelings? <laughs> I do. That's why I'm speaking about it. So I'll share one of my stories about inadequacy and vulnerability. So last week, I was babysitting for my 10-month-old granddaughter, Leela. 
Leela is the Sanskrit for the joy of the universe. And so following the advice of her pediatrician, I was giving Leela a piece of Zweibach. Does anybody know what Zweibach is? OK. So for those of you who don't, Zweibach is it's German. It means twice baked. Um, and it's a, it's a hard, kind of like um, biscotti. It's a hard cracker or bread that you give to, to babies who are teething. And supposedly, it helps them with the pain of teething. So um, you can't buy Zweibach. Try to buy Zweibach. You can't buy it anymore. So I actually made some. On that snowstorm, I decided I would, it takes like two days, because you have to bake it twice. I decided I would make Zweibach. And I was very proud of myself. And um, because if you look at the stuff that's stole, sold in the store, um, it's not anything you would want to give to a baby. So. I made this swiback and I brought it over to Leela and I gave her a piece. And so she picked it up and she was using it like a hammer. Was just, <laughs> she was hammering on the side of the table. And I demonstrated that you could put it in your mouth. And so she tentatively did that. And it wasn't, it, sound, it felt like just a few seconds before a piece broke off and it got lodged in her throat and she started choking. And what was a shared delight transformed into terror. I don't know how else to describe it. Complete terror for her and for me. So the story ends happily, uh, even though I didn't have a clue as to what to do. And I wish I'd taken that infant CPR class that my son suggested I take. Uh, um, she coughed it up on her own. And, uh, but the residue remains for me. Even telling the story, I can feel it in my own body. Because it was such a poignant example of how everything can change in a moment, right? Everything. Even right now, right here, to my own infant granddaughter. And that is a really, for me, painful thing. And so it takes a lot of courage to love, knowing that. So ironically or not, one of my favorite practices, which I practice almost daily, is to repeat the five recollections. And these are things that, uh, these five recollections are things that the Buddha taught his monks to repeat, to, as a reminder of the fact that Everything changes. And so they go like this. I am subject to aging. I have not gone beyond aging. I am subject to illness. I have not gone beyond illness. I am subject to death. I have not gone beyond death. I will grow different, separated, and parted from all that is dear and beloved to me. I will grow different, separated, and parted from all that is clear, dear, and beloved to me. I am the owner of my actions, heir to my actions, born of my actions, and live dependent on my actions. Whatever actions I do for good or for ill, to that I will fall heir. That's the teaching of karma. So I repeat that practically every day, but you know, it's like it doesn't really sink in until you're right in the, in the face of it, the truth of all of this. And I was in the middle of it last week.
So when I told my, my son and my daughter-in-law the story of Leela and the Zweibach, uh, their response was, oh, you must have been so scared. Instead of, don't ever cross our threshold again, <laughs> which could have been the response. I mean, it was so generous, so generous. What love in the face of their fear, because they had to have been experiencing fear. And my friends commented, well, it could happen to, to anyone. And of course it could, and it does. It does. So none of us are perfect, and none of us are exempt from suffering. And the luckiest of us can remember some self-compassion and perhaps a sense of our shared imperfection when we are faced with our inadequacies as lovers. So I would call myself a lover, a lover of my granddaughter as well as others. But for some, especially people who are suffering from mental illness sometimes that obscures their ability, to find a balance or to know that, this feeling of inadequacy and vulnerability is just too much. And this can be true of even people that we would consider to be very spiritually adept. So I want to tell the story of Michael Stone. Maybe you know his story. Uh, he, Michael Stone was a revered yoga and Zen teacher practiced Zen since he was an adolescent author. He wrote, he's written many excellent books. This is one of his, The Inner Tradition of Yoga, highly recommended. He was a lover of his children, his partner, his students, his friends, and he was beloved by many. And last July, uh, Michael went missing after he left home and went to run some errands in town. And when his body was found the next day, he was found to be unresponsive. After two days in the hospital, his wife, his partner, and others close to him made the decision to take him off life support, and he died at the age of 42, leaving two young children and his wife. And his partner later wrote that he had suffered for all of his adult life from bipolar disorder. And it was in an attempt to manage that disease and the symptoms of that disease that had led him to look for a street drug, something that would help him to manage his mania. And that drug was unknowingly laced with fentanyl. And so although he had suffered from this illness for many, many years, very few people knew about it. He had quite a following. Many people all over the world revered him. And he feared the stigma of his illness. And so he had difficulty sharing this with anybody. So he, I, I, I was just fascinated with his story. Um, fascinated and so sad about it. Because of his suffering, it is his um, difficulty sharing his suffering with anyone else. So he wrote on his webpage, this is such an interesting story, said, when I was a kid, my closest friend was my uncle, who was diagnosed with schizophrenia. Most of the time I spent with my uncle was in Canada's largest mental institution. After school, he'd talk to me about meditation, and we'd read books together. 
including the early teachings of the Buddha. We also listened to the Beatles' White Album. Paradoxically, I felt most normal and safe when I was with my uncle. When I'd leave the institution to take the bus home, the city would seem insane. It was very confusing. The conversations I had with my uncle seemed deeper, more mysterious, and more important than anything I was learning at home, at school, or even at synagogue. So Michael, even as a young child, he recognized the depth that arose from his uncle's suffering, and he loved him deeply, and yet he couldn't extend that to himself. So Matthew Ginnan, he's a, he's, he was a Buddhist monk in this tradition, in the Theravada tradition, and he was a friend of Michael's. He wrote in Tricycle, the magazine, Quote, let's put to rest the myth of the heroic self, of the one who finally gets it all right. Let's let ourselves off the hook and see what small bodhisattva activity we can get up to today in our crazy and imperfect lives where death waits behind an unknown door. Let's let ourselves off the hook and see what small bodhisattva activity we can get up to today in our crazy and imperfect lives where death waits behind an unknown door. So for those who don't know what a bodhisattva is, it actually comes out of the Mahayana tradition of Buddhism. A bodhisattva is a being who is awakened but chooses to come to be reborn, to come back to help all sentient beings. So an act of great generosity. So I'd like you to reflect for a moment on what parts of you you find unacceptable that you keep hidden from others. Where are the places that only a mother could love? (laughs) The parts that despite your best intentions can have results you don't intend like the Zweibach. And how can we all let ourselves off the hook and find the the courage to engage in this life, knowing that we are imperfect and that everything can and will change, that we really have no control? Mr. Gindin suggested that we see what small bodhisattva activity we can get up to today. And that, in my opinion, is a pretty good start. So reflecting on our own wholesome qualities can serve as an antidote to our natural bias to find out what's wrong with us, to find the ways that we're not perfect. And it can support a sense of equanimity So the Buddha taught this. He he invited us to focus on those things that are right with us, those things that are wholesome. Probably you're an expert like me on everything that isn't so right with me. So this equanimity, this equanimity in Buddhism, as you may know, equanimity is one of the four Brahma-viharas, or the abodes of the gods, 
these qualities of heart that awakened beings have that we all have, actually. And equanimity can help us to, actually, by definition, it's the ability to sit in the middle of whatever's happening, to not be thrown off balance or pulled into our habit patterns or our reactivity. And equanimity is said to be the foundation, the, it's actually a, a requirement for the practice of loving kindness and compassion and sympathetic joy. And equanimity includes equanimity when we are practicing loving kindness and compassion for ourselves. It's not just for others. So in addition to reflecting on our own wholesome qualities, our good deeds, however small or large, or our small bodhisattva activities, there are several other things that can help us to support an inner sense of balance in the midst of this world of impermanence that we live in. So these include living a life of integrity, a life that is in accord with our values. And if you've ever done anything that you felt wasn't in accord with your values and really paid attention to how it feels in the body-mind, it's pretty awful. It's very hard to be balanced when you've done something that you wish you hadn't done. So the, the first one then is leading a life of integrity as much as possible in accord with our values. The second thing that can support equanimity or a sense of balance is enhancing our sense of well-being through things like being in nature, eating well, whatever else leads to ease in the body and mind. The third one is understanding on an experiential level the truth of change in our own lives and others. So instead of denying that or repressing it or wishing it weren't so, well, we may wish it weren't so, but um, to really be willing to get close to the fact that everything changes. And sometimes it's unavoidable, as it was with me recently. And then the last one is this understanding of karma, right? That, That people are responsible for their own decisions. And no matter how much we might wish to alleviate their suffering, we really have no control. So um, in my experience, the first three that support equanimity, so focusing on what's right with us rather than what's wrong with us, leading a life in accord with our values, supporting our physical and mental ease, are easier than the last two. Uh, The last two being understanding the truth of impermanence and the laws of karma. And as I uh, reported in the famous Zweibach incident, it can be terrifying to come in contact with that vulnerability, with that change. Because all of our animal instincts to fight, flight, or, or flee, freeze, fight, flee, or freeze, get activated, right? And it's really hard to stay balanced. Oftentimes the big picture only comes later when we reflect back. Giving up our sense of control over our lives can be both deeply poignant and liberating. 
as any parent of a teenager knows, or a partner or friend of someone who suffers from mental illness or any, any major, major or minor form of suffering, we really have limited ability to help and no ability to control. I was married to someone with bipolar disorder for 15 years, and I know that intimately. It's very, very poignant. And it's important to note that the laws of karma, so what we do has an effect on the future, our own future, that they do not apply to things like illness, accidents, natural disasters, other things that you can think of as operating out of the, outside the laws of karma. So not to blame anyone for the suffering that they have from these things that happen to all of us. Karma only comes from volitional action. So on this Mother's Day, I would invite you to recognize your own goodness and that of others. Take care of your bodies and mind. Minds, aspire to live a life in accord with your values. And reflect on how you can mother both yourself and others because of, not in spite of, our shared vulnerability and imperfections. So regardless of what our history was with our mothers, we can always mother ourselves and we can give that to other people. And I'm actually going to play a song in a minute uh, about that. So I'm going to end with a quote. You probably all know this from Leonard Cohen's song, Anthem. And then I'm going to play a song that's sung by Jennifer Barazon, written by Sinead O'Connor, entitled, This is to Mother You. So the quote from Leonard Cohen is, ring the bells that still can ring, forget your perfect offering. There's a crack, a crack in everything. That's how the light gets in. So I'm going to play this song, which I love. I have very old technology here, but it works. (laughs) Try to buy a CD player now. It's pretty hard. (laughs) so may you mother yourselves and one another so we have a few minutes for questions and answers comments whatever you'd like to share of your own experience loving courageously and we have a microphone here so um, pass that around Thank you. (laughs) Of course. (laughs) You you waited until you got back there. (laughs) First, thank you for your small but warm bodhisattva action. Um, I remembered a story, too, 
uh, when my children were young um, of one of my Zweibeck experiences. We had bought a um, wood-burning insert in our fireplace and a very efficient one, really powerful and could heat the whole house. And um, it didn't have a screen on it. And it got very hot. It had a temperature gauge on it and got up to 450, 500 degrees. It could. And my youngest son screamed out in pain because he put all ten fingers on simultaneously. And so I also had that moment of terror and fear and supreme guilt and and shame, everything, just cascading into uh, doubts and feeding that fear cycle. And um, obviously we got the screen up and did everything that we could, to, and he was fine, and his fingers were fine, but he was in, you know, it, it was weeks before it healed completely. So just really humility and deep... Um, yeah, just humility and compassion and lots of love just poured out to him. But even that, you know, it doesn't... And you still wonder what that stuff does to the psychology, too, you know, of trust and stuff. And you don't know. You don't know that stuff. So, But just to do the best that you can, even in that human moment. Uh, just a uh, a quick example, I think, of maybe the kind of love you're talking about. Uh, when I was a teenager, I was extremely troublesome, giving my mother trouble, I mean, kind of serious trouble, a lot. And one day she looked at me and she said, John, I don't like you very much, <laughs> but I love you. You know, I I personally find Mother's Day, um, or used to find Mother's Day really difficult, uh, because as a lot of us, we didn't get the mother that we thought we should have had and planned <laughs> to have had. And the biggest thing for me, and in fact, you know, it's hard to say sometimes, my mother passed away fairly early in my life. I was, I mean, I was 31, but... Um, she was only 53, and um, it took a long time before, and actually up until about a year ago, then I really, you know, cried for her loss because she, it, I actually felt a freedom when she had passed away. But through, you know, practicing compassion, whatever, I realized this mother of mine, you know, though I didn't get what I wanted, she gave me the best that she could give. And though all the difficulties she might have had as well, that um, I did get something, and I got the best she got, she was able to give. I can give you another Zweibach moment. 
over 50 years ago, uh, little kids didn't have seatbelts or, you know, there were no restraints on them. So there was one fine day when I had three of them in the back seat and the the youngest one, who's quite mechanically minded, um, opened the, the back door and flew out. And his hand was caught under the back tire of the car. And I couldn't get off him without driving and without being able to see him. So, of course, I was screaming my head off, and then some man came and directed me what to do. And we got him when he when he got back in the car. He wiggles his fingers, and he was perfectly fine. It was very. <laughs> So Let's hear moments, it for resilience. Yeah, right. So many <laughs> moments for self-compassion. While somebody's, while we're waiting for somebody to get brave, I just want to ask you what you did with all this Zweibach you, you baked. <laughs> <laughs> I have a feeling that she didn't want any more. Maybe you brought it in today for a treat. So. <laughs> My son is enjoying it. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe it's too much work. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, maybe. It was the pediatrician that recommended it, so... I'll raise my own hand here. How about that? Um, one thing I've I keep as I listen to this and think about is the over the years the people uh, women mainly who confided in me that their uh, mother experience mother mother's experiences weren't always the best that they carried that in in a variety of ways but some really painful ways and I just I don't have any particular insight but other than the fact that. <clears throat> Uh, through that, as I think of one in particular, she still loved her mother and at least learned to accept what went on and how just difficult and painful it is for what mom means to everybody, but yet have to live and remember the pain that they grew up with. And I was just thinking when you mentioned about the line between uh, in karma between our own volition and what isn't. And I just think about for the moms, what of their behavior, what was of their own volition? You know, what did they inherit? Or, you know, I don't have any wise answers. I just, I just think of that, that line in those relationships. And um, that's, that's just a real deep spot. So we don't, you know, they, we don't know all of the causes and conditions. Yes. We can't know all of that contributed to any one thing. So one of the things that I always reflect on on Mother's Day is sort of the um, how painful it is um, for women who had hoped to become mothers, who were not mothers, um, the women who chose to end pregnancies, um, women who 
um, gave up children. And I just feel that, you know, so often in our practice that we really need to, I mean, this is a day we celebrate and connect. And also, it's just such a painful day for so many people. And and um, I just think it's really important to acknowledge uh, that, that this is just a very difficult day and that we just need a lot of compassion, um, that we're doing the best we we can in difficult circumstances, making decisions with the information we have at, at the time. And um, I was once in a training where there were some new mothers and everybody just did everything they could to support those new mothers. And they brought their babies and it was a training that took part over years. And at one point, one person said, I just have to say, this is so painful to me. I always wanted a child. I always imagined myself having a child. And she said, I don't want to take anything away, but to see how these mothers are supported and cared for and nurtured. And that's an experience I wanted for myself. And it was just about um, the, the pain and the suffering, despite our really good intentions, that sometimes it has a reverberation that just really touches a deep wound in another person. And I really, really feel that on a day like today, which is a day of celebration and also a day when a lot of people's deep wounds get poked. Thank you. Um, thank you. Um, I just wanted to also remember um, for those who had Zyback moments that ended tragically and um, to also, if you've been in that situation or you were a victim of that situation, to also hold yourself with self-compassion um, for many of those who don't you know, have access to a lot or who have parents who were addicts, they may have made um, mistakes that have... Um, you know, tragic consequences for um, their children, and um, but they too de- deserve love and compassion, even for the ways that we failed, and you know, good luck or resources haven't protected us from tragedy as well, too. Thank you. So being Mother's Day weekend, I've had a pretty rough one with my soon-to-be 12-year-old daughter. Um, She has a lot of issues with electronics, and she's got some mental health issues. And you talk about the self-compassion. It's so hard to deal with the doubt if you're doing the right thing. I put some controls on her electronics on Friday night to try to help her control herself. And it was rage and... She ultimately ended up glitter bombing my bathroom and my bed. Um, so it, it was just, it was, it's been a really difficult weekend, and just it's, it's such a struggle sometimes to know if you're doing the right thing and if you're pushing the wrong buttons and if you're pushing too hard. And this talk really touched me on that basis.
Um, I, uh, one, wanted to really thank you for raising the um, sort of question of, of loss and pain. And um, I'm, I feel lucky that I um, have a daughter who I very much wanted and that all of my losses were after her. And I got to sort of experience that motherhood. I know there are times where the last thing you want is to hear about motherhood or hear about pregnancy, and you might come into a space and, and have that be painful. Um, but I also wanted to um, really raise gratitude. One thing I, um, my first time coming here was a couple weeks ago, and seeing that there was a children's group um, brought me to tears, and I brought my daughter this time. And so one of the things, I have wonderful parents, but one of the things that I um, feel I didn't necessarily get from them that I really hope to give to my daughter is um, some earlier experience of mindfulness and, and um, having the a sudden insight that maybe I didn't have to do that by myself um, was really wonderful um, and also makes it easier for me to be here. Um, so that's something I'm really appreciating as a mom today. Thank you. Uh-huh. Well, a couple of things. One, I'll just express some self-compassion for myself. I brought my kids here a couple of years ago, and it didn't stick, so. I also just want to um, express my gratitude. I haven't been here in almost a year, um, though I, I love this community, and I came today because it's Mother's Day, and I wanted to give myself this gift. And I never come to cry when I come here. I feel like the sun is shining and, and the birds are out and and yet you really just touch me in, in so many um, good ways and I feel fortified by this community and you know ready to go back out into the week. So thank you so much. Oh, okay. So, can we dedicate the merit then before they come? Yeah. Yeah. We have a minute? Yeah. So, let's take a moment to dedicate the merit or to acknowledge the, our good intentions, the merit of our being here, of opening our hearts, of practicing. Let's dedicate whatever merit may arise from this practice to the benefit of all beings. May all beings be free from suffering. May all beings love courageously, be loved and love. May all beings know peace. Thank you for your attention, and thank you for all of your comments. This talk, like all programs at Common Ground, is offered freely in the spirit of generosity. To learn more about Common Ground and its programs, or if you would like to donate, please visit our website, www.commongroundmeditation.org.